Welcome to The Uncertain Artist, where each week we discuss the highs and lows of forging a life in the arts, specifically the collaborative arts and mostly here in Seattle. Our starting point each week is an episode of the YouTube show, The Uncertain Detective, which was created by me, Greg Lashow, and I'm joined by our show's writing and story consultant, Joe Guppy. Today we'll be discussing episode 18 from our second season with our guest, Sarah Harlett, who has a prominent role as an alien actress. That was fun to say. Did you get a chance, Joe, to... Watch, I know you did watch episode 18. I did watch episode 18, yes. Yeah, so it was delightful. So what was the, what was like the rewatch? What, what stuck out? Well, of course, our guest's performance was terrific and really nice uh, uncertain detective scenes, the black and white scenes. But um, I really enjoyed the uh, kind of the family scenes. Uh, and particularly, I liked it when you talked about being able to do the wink for the first time. It <laughs> successfully pulled off. The wink with Megan. With Megan. Do I do I wink successfully? No, you 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 wink successfully to the long-haired uh, roommate, oh, yeah, um, yeah. who's by the way really good. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah, Alex um, Gillian. Alex uh, Gillian. Okay, yeah. well, I hope we get to interview him at some oh, point. We're going to. All right, excellent. Yeah, so you uh, you you do the wink at one point. I, I assume we're going to play the, that clip, so I oh, have okay. to explain it. All right, let's play that. Okay. <laughs> Bless you. Hi, I'm Greg. I'm moving out. You can have my bedroom. Oh, I thought I'd share a bed with my girlfriend. Oh. Is she here? No, I, sorry. My, I met my wife. Oh, I don't care which one you sleep with, but I will be taking my bed with me. Oh, great. Of course. Uh, oh, I'll use that room for the detective's office. If that's your thing. Well, no, it's not my thing. Or as my dad always used to say, whatever floats your boat. He was an idiot. He left us when we were 12. But I do love that expression. Oh, there's my coat. Hey, you can't shoot the detective's show here. Oh, hey. Oh, I was just telling... Judy? Judy, that I would be sleeping with my girlfriend. And then I winked at... Brady? Brady, like that. Yeah. P perfect use of the wink. It's the first time I've ever done that. Congratulations. Thank you. He can't shoot the detective's office here. Oh, you know where that comes from? Because uh, Charlie, my youngest, mm. is just phenomenal at the wink. Oh. He's so good. And every time he does it, you feel so included <laughs> and and just grateful and mm. also a little jealous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and then what's hilarious, and again, you know how Megan is always so funny and spot on. She she does it at the very end. It kind of does this kind of lame wink. It doesn't quite work, and she does it kind of twice. Like and and it's just oh, it's so funny. So that's kind of observational humor. Yeah, right? isn't you know? it funny? Strange that I'm married to, and it's not like I thought, oh, she's the best comedian I'll ever mm -hmm. see, so I should marry her. <laughs> like that wasn't the right, right, right. But I one day woke up and realized, holy moly, mm -hmm. like, she's so great. Yeah. 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 Um. I watched it as well. You did what? No, I'm kidding. Of course, <laughs> did not. Uh, and I'm going to give you another disaster story because, so if you're just tuning in, I have a hard time watching these episodes, even though we're supposed to as part of the podcast, uh, because I, you know, on some level feel like something's going to go wrong. You Not in my world, but while I'm watching, like suddenly the... the 
there'll be something wrong. You know, you, you've the, developed a phobia. I have think a phobia, phobia. Yeah, like I'll watch it and suddenly it'll turn into a completely different awful thing. So one of the reasons and I thought of this because of our guest today, Sarah, who will talk about. Um, so weirdly, I made a show. Well, that's not the weird part. I made a show in, in, in years ago called Silence. We filmed it in 35. All the dia uh, dialogue effects and music was done live. That was the, the thing. And we did it at the Paramount and then played it to different places. Here's the weird part. Weirdly, years later, when I had the film company, we made Guy Madden's Brand Upon the Brain, which is a fantastic movie if you get a chance. And strangely, Guy decided he wanted to do the initial run of it with everything live, live mm. effects, live dialogue, live music, mm -hmm. which of course I was all for. So you do that and you're setting yourself up for stuff to go wrong. Mm. We, we played the show many times with a variety of very well-known um, actors playing the sort of role of the narrator in different orchestras. And, you know, I've got so many stories. One that I thought of today was, uh, so we did the show in New York and at the seven o'clock show, it was Laurie Anderson, uh, Laurie Anderson, Laurie Anderson. <laughs> Lori Anderson yeah. was was the narrator. In my head, I'm spelling her name L O R I, and I'm thinking, well, that's she's not Lori Anderson, but it's L A B R. Anyway, Lori Anderson was one of the narrators, mm. and her partner was doing the 9:30 show, Lou Reed. Mm. So Lou, who was one of my favorite artists, really, um, and a very sweet guy, at least that night, um, uh, had a bottle of wine to watch Lori play, and at the end of Lori's uh, version of the show that bottle was empty mm. and um at some point in lou's version of the show to a full house he fell asleep wow um and it happened to come right before his last line before a good like 20 minutes where he had nothing to do mm. and i never watched it because i was always hiding somewhere mm. but someone came into the green room and said uh lou's falling asleep <laughs> so i ran back to and realized well there's nothing i can do and um i thought you, you, you did you think of waking him up i thought well <laughs> that did occur to me but I, you know it would have been it's not like no one knew he was asleep he was asleep in front of everyone i guess i could have but it did occur to me before his next line there's a giant gong literally a giant gong from mm. the orchestra mm. maybe that will do it hmm. Bong, and he woke up clearly had no idea where he was but trooper like did his lines mm. i don't think he really knew where he was for a while but but he's still doing his lines to the show and nice. uh, yeah so that's that's a great story it's a great story like all disaster stories but you know so i have one with our guest sarah and maybe we'll start there mm. so hi sarah hi. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us i'm really excited and I, I have so many things to talk to you about and ask you about. We won't get to all of them. Um, and one of the reasons is I counted up, and I think we've made in some way or the other seven shows together. We've been involved in seven things. That's a lot, right? It is a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't seen, you know, post-COVID, I don't, we don't see each other. I know. We used to see each other all the time. What happened? I, I know. COVID. COVID. <laughs> so have you like got, gotten... Are you back to being more social post-COVID, or are you like me, sort of still in that mode? I think I'm back to being more social. I try and go and see things and um, 
hang out with friends or go for walks or things like that. I try and be more like reconnect with everybody because it feels like we sort of lost touch with people. It, but right? it's not just COVID, right? It's getting older. You have to actually yeah. make an effort to see people <laughs> yeah. and do yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Effort, is, effort gets harder. so the reason i thought of this lurie disaster story is i was remembering uh, what was the first thing we did together silence or was it um once when i was lost do you happen to remember Mm. well let's say it was silence i think it was silence so um oh wait you weren't at the original no i wasn't I wasn't okay, in that well, one. this story won't mean anything, so I'll tell it very quickly. At the premiere at the Paramount, which they tell me was sold out, which they couldn't have been. It's like 2,000 seats. But there, it was pretty good house, right? And it was a strange show, and I loved it. But it, um, about two-thirds of the way through, what you hear from the farthest seat back in the balcony, but very clearly is, but I don't like it! Which is now like a line in our family whenever, <laughs> you know. It turns out it was the producer's brother who, who was yelling that. And um, it just stuck with us in large part because my 10-year-old son was in the show at the time, right? So you have this sort of like uh, protective. I think it ruined ruined him for years. Oh. <laughs> Um, but then you joined the show because we started to tour it, right? So you came into a group that was already sort of used to this and you had to like prove yourself, I guess. What was that? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I knew, um, I, well, I, I had seen you and Megan in run remain shows at on the boards. So I was already a fan. Like I was, I had already, like, I only loved your work and. Um, so I was already kind of, and also Michael Chick was in it too, right? Yeah. And I had seen Money Buys Happiness and I was like, oh my God, Michael Chick is extraordinary. So I was walking into this and then Richard Waugh did all of the, was he, did he actually, did he? He was the set designer. But did he release anything? He, he, no, I wouldn't let him, but he was on on camera. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We, we had a different actor play us. Okay. Okay. There were all these sort of wonderful people involved. And so um, there was some, you know, fear and pressure. And, uh, um, but it was really, I remember I took my job very seriously. I, I worked so really seriously. hard. <laughs> you were like putting us to shame. Like we thought we were good. And then you, know, you look over at Sarah <laughs> and she's like got all her notes. And you were like really together. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I took it a little too seriously, maybe. No, no, no. <laughs> but and you, that was you beginning. brought like a humor to the role that wasn't there before. It was great. Um, I don't know. What do you? What's something you remember? Because we played it a few different places around the country. Um, I remember going and playing it at Two Boots in New, New York. York. Yeah. Um, and I remember that we were all kind of squished into the this small theater yeah. <laughs> in this little in this area and was it fun or was it oh, it was just super, be honest it was super fun it was fun okay it was super fun the part with the teddy bear right like that was oh yeah in really anyway uh, is that something that you uh, normally bring to your work a lot of preparation diligent yeah, preparation I am, yeah i'm a, a total dork for mm-hmm. preparation and of course that's great is it also problematic in any way is it straight jacketing is it well i asked the question that's uh i mean in some ways i don't know because that's my practice right so yeah. i don't know if it's i haven't really tried the um the alternative 
But I am like the person who shows up at the theater really early mm. to try and land wherever I am mm -hmm. so that I can, so that whatever nerves are there, I can get rid of, mm. or at least I can acknowledge and sort of quiet a little bit. Earlier we were talking about Shakespeare and there's a number of Shakespeare's on Shakespeare plays on your resume. Uh, I like it, Shakespeare's. Yeah, yeah, you like Shakespeare. There's many Shakespeare's. I, I, I like a Shakespeare now and then. Uh, sometimes two Shakespeare's a little too much for me, but uh, anyway, um, so that seems like something that that would really benefit from a lot of deep preparation. Right, right, right. There's, yeah, you have to do a bunch of work for, um, for like something like that, that is, um, that is verse or that is, you know, there's certain um, clues that Shakespeare gives you that you look for. And, mm -hmm. and then you, like after all that homework, you throw it out the window so that you can just play. So how is doing a scripted play different for you in terms of preparation or in terms of performance from the kind of work we've done together? The, the next thing we did is actually that, that uh, picture on the wall of Megan was from uh, that show, Once When I Was Lost. Mm -hmm. And I remember early days of rehearsal. So we tend to create the work on the person in rehearsal. We don't tend to come in with the material and it's generative. So I remember early days of rehearsal, there was, for me, you may not have felt it, but for me, there was a schism in the way you work and the way we work. Like we weren't in the same show for a while. So yeah, I don't know. Talk a little bit about well, that I, difference. Uh, I mean, a lot of my background before working with you and Megan was generative work. Um, was a group called The Compound. Yeah, that I we, saw some of that. It's great work. That we, you know, and we would, so we developed sort of our own way of creating work. We had a um, uh, space in Ballard and half of the people who were in The Compound lived in the space and mm. the rest of us would go and rehearse so we could spend however many days, months, whatever on a piece before we actually put it up mm. and we all did like i think four kind of shows together in all of our i time saw before. a show i remember sean john walsh was was he in a coffin or he was in he was in a plexiglass 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 box. box and he had a squeegee so he could wipe off his, oh, yeah. so his um, condensation from his breath <laughs> well, what's the name of that show that was happy that's right it was a great show i remember that he now. was brian wilson yeah, he was playing. Yeah, he was no, playing no, no. Yeah, <laughs> from the Beach Boys, and um, yeah, now I remember. Of course, I knew you from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so I think like we had the compound had developed a certain way of working, and then I was figuring how to work out work with a different group of people. Right. So there's like sort of that like, oh, 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 what is the what's the language of this group? What's the what's the vibe? How do I you know uh, how do I fit? And what, what did you think the vibe, like, how would you describe our vibe or the compound's vibe? And I mean, uh, uh, the, that's my yeah, thinking the, noise. Yeah, you probably, <laughs> you probably don't want to hurt Greg's feelings. I would say just, just say it. <laughs> not like, I'm actually just trying to think of what's the, um, in the, so in the compound, we were fresh out of college, most of us. Um, and we were like, all right, what do we, what are all the things that we wanted to 
put in a theater piece. Like we had sort of a very, um, uh, like iconoclastic kind of, or yeah. yeah and like, we were also like, we wanted to be like the next Wooster group yeah, or something. Right, like we right. were very like in a particular young, right. Um, punk rock kind of, we were mode. in a punk rock yeah. kind of phase. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and Megan, I had, again, I had watched, right? I had seen a bunch. Not punk rock. Not punk rock, yeah. but, but, uh, but like established and sort of, so there was, I think I was, mm, I think I was doing that thing that we do so much when we're young, where we're trying to fit into what somebody wants us to be as mm-hmm. opposed to just like okay. showing so up. So I, now I'm remembering. I mean, one of the reasons I ask these questions is because I really don't remember and it's nice to kind of hear and recall. Yeah. But now I'm remembering a moment in rehearsal where something for you, at least as I perceived it, just went click. And I was like, oh, now she's in the same show as us. I don't know. Does anything like that feel? Nothing now. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that way at all. And then, of course, what happens is uh, and this happened when we put Charlie into our shows as well. Happened with you, happened with Charlie. We then start to turn to you for what do we do now? You know, be, you be, once you sort of get into, oh, I'm as much in the flow of what you do as anyone, yeah. We, you just have an eye that, you know, Charlie does too, I think. And we didn't say, Sarah, now what do we do? You know, yeah, thing, yeah. Which, is, which is trust, right? Like now yeah. you, like when the person starts to trust that they belong in whatever the place is that they're being a creative force in then there's then the then you trust that your your insight your opinion um belongs in the group or whatever the thing like the moment that you're talking about of of uh your perception of me sort of clicking into something i think that actually happens for me in almost every piece that i Mm. do where i'm i i am doubting or i'm like or i'm questioning or i'm sort of um, I don't know. The positive spin is that I'm curious about it, mm-hmm. but that there's a moment where I'm like, oh, oh, where I... And then you look back and think, or I do, and probably you do. I don't know. Put words in your mouth. <laughs> uh, thank goodness that I had that struggle because it brought me to a place I wouldn't have gotten to. So yeah. this happens with Joe. So let me first say something I haven't said in all the podcasts. Uh, Joe is a phenomenal uh, collaborator in the writing process. And for those of you who are looking like I was years ago, uh, I was looking for someone to collaborate with and help me turn my sort of workbook, sketchbook thing called The Uncertain Detective into an actual show and luckily wound up at Joe's doorstep. Uh, if there's anyone out there looking for a similar process, uh, I highly recommend you contact Joe at joeguppy.com. Joeguppy.com. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but the reason it just occurred to me is Annette was here last week, and she talked about those moments of terror um, and confusion and doubt, and it's only through the working out of them that you get to a place you couldn't otherwise be. And I have that when I work with Joe because, and the feeling I always have is, well, we'll make a change and it will make it better. I, w- I wouldn't have thought of the change myself. But afterwards, I think to myself correctly, I knew that. Mm-hmm. I knew that didn't work, like on some level, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't let it surface. Mm-hmm. Does that happen for you? Mm-hmm. 
as an actor or is it more you just know you're searching and you're not there yet? I know I'm searching. I know I'm not trusting myself. I know that there's some kind of fear that's there too, that's mm. standing in the way of mm. whatever that place is that I'm trying to arrive to. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I think like, I think that's uh, um, every time I, I'm in rehearsal, I hit a point where I'm like, why does anybody ever hire me to do this? Yeah. Like, why am I, I should never act again. Why am I doing, like, um, and that's like, and I've recognized, oh, that's, this is that moment in the process, right? This is that moment where I've like hit a struggle. That means that on the other side of that, I'm going to go, oh, um, uh, uh, there's, there will be an O. You oh, have that faith, but do you, do you first think about quitting? I never think about quitting. Hmm. That's so interesting. I, I, I have quit. Quitting. Yeah. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> you know it's coming but it's true i've quit everything i've ever done like i have said out loud to someone i can't it, i'm terrible not i'm terrible but just i can't do it and i quit it's over we're not doing it without exception this has never been something i haven't done that with it'd be nice to not do that it's amazing how the artistic process is like that that uh, you're always uh even people that have done the have tremendous experience if, if they're real artists they start a new project and they're like how do I get through this one? I I think that's pretty pretty universal. Do you, in your process, Sarah, require an audience in order to get to where you, or do you feel like you arrive at your first audience where you need to be? No, never, never arrive where I need to be, because you because it's a well, theater is it's a live form, right? So there's there whatever the energy is that that is coming off of the audience, whatever that whatever they're experiencing is why you're doing it. Mm. So if you don't have that feedback, then you, there's no way that I can, um, uh, that I can fully know what I'm doing, that I can be fully, um, uh, as creative as I want to be because I'm missing, uh, I don't know, maybe not, I was going to make some kind of comparison, like a <laughs> canvas or something like I'm missing a huge part of whatever the art is. Um, so here's something so, that happens to me and then your turn. And I know it doesn't for you because you're too kind. Um, someone will come up to me after a show early in the run mm -hmm. and say, oh, it was so good or whatever. And I'll be like, oh, thank you so much. And then the show will get better. And then I'll think, that idiot who thought it was good before. <laughs> what was wrong with that person? <laughs> I'm sure that doesn't happen for you. But that is something that... I'm basically telling everyone, don't don't ever see anything I did. I just doubt everybody. I'm just always like, if somebody oh, says yeah. something to me after the show, I'm like, uh-huh. And yeah. I'm kind of like in my mind, I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't believe yeah, I don't believe a word you're saying. <laughs> well, thank you're you. You're just saying that to be nice, you know? Well, I, I want to take uh, the elements of this conversation that we've been talking about, about developing a piece of work uh, from the ground up, which is, uh, the, is it Silence that we were talking about? No. Well, Silence was done pre-Sarah. Yeah, we made, uh, right. so we've made Once When I Was Lost. Uh, Sarah worked with Megan and I was yeah. a, a collaborator, to, but it was her show on The Rich Grand of Boxing. And then we all made um, uh, The Man Who Can Forget Anything, which I still feel slightly bitter that we didn't get to keep work it was like mm. it was going to be a great show mm -hmm. and then you know all we could do is do it and uh, and then nobody gave us the opportunity to mm. to really get it to where it needed to be 
Well, my my question is, so we've talked about building something collaboratively from the ground up. We've talked about the experience of the learning lines and going on stage in front of the audience and finding finding yourself. Uh, well, how does that uh, how do how does that discussion uh, apply to the uncertain detective, the scene that that Sarah's in, uh, which is scripted, obviously, and it's with shooting with cameras, so it's a whole different deal. And yet, there I'll bet there are similarities in the process that you've discussed. Are there? Very different. I mean, is it, is it really very different? Well, let me just ask Sarah. I think we shot the entire car ride episode, which is like a few episodes yeah. earlier. That same day. We did. Yeah. Yeah. And then came and shot your scene in, where were we? Children's? No, one. no, we were at Seattle Shakespeare Company. They're like dressing rooms in underneath, Seattle, like, in Seattle uh, Center. like book it. And so that would have been, you know, hour 14. And we only had a few hours. Like yeah. we had to be in and out. I was really nervous about that because it was, you know, you were really busy also at the time. So there just wasn't like, there was no leeway. Like we had right. to get everything that day. And so it was like, get it on its feet, rehearse it once or twice and shoot it is how I kind of remember it. Yeah. And I, I, rem I don't remember being, I don't remember being nervous at all. I remember being like, very like, oh, there's, here's E and I, E Ray. Yeah. And, um, and he's going to recite some poetry and I'm just going to listen to you <laughs> recite uh, some poetry. In the car, in the car ride. Then, right? Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Like it, I felt very sort of like comfortable. So that's a, the car ride. I want to make yeah. sure the, 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 our viewers or listeners are on board. You're talking about a different episode. Yeah, so an earlier episode, which is basically the entire thing was Greg's character picking up various members of the the show this that is he's the making. real the real life part of it so. yeah right. so i'm picking up the actors to go to the set to right. play to uh, to do a role it's basically the the road trip mm -hmm. um i remember you were protective of uh the two young yeah. people on the set because you uh you teach at cornish i teach at, at cornish yeah and um they were former students of mine and so i think that also that like that changed the way that I right. was in the room, right? Because I was like, I'm going to be calm and sort of cent as centered as I can be for for them. I don't know. I've never thought about the, that. That was the, the two uh, uh, performers who were at the mirror, mm -hmm. right? Emma yeah. and Lola. Lola. Yeah. And they, and they, they were terrific. They were terrific. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. play a, a clip. And this clip from episode 18, um, we're deep in the story of the case of the homesick astronaut. Megan Murphy is the homesick astronaut who has landed on this planet with her fellow astronauts who have scattered years ago. And now our heroine Megan is searching out and she finds the alien astronaut played by Sarah Harlett who has sort of hidden herself in the role of an actress. And here she is uh, in the green room before whatever show she's doing. Could you run that line again? Alas, my love is dead. We must be brave. Brave? Who? What? I'm sorry, one more time. Let's do it again. Alas, my love is dead. We must be brave. Brave? What good is brave at a time like this? What is it again? Not I? Not I. Certainly not I. Thank you, guys. The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. The lips, the teeth. 
Vonica? Are you Vonica? Yeah. Oh, hey, thanks for coming. Maybe after the show. No, Vonica, I'm detective. Thank you, Ted. Ten minutes, thank you. I brought someone here to see you. I've looked for you for so long, and when I saw the poster, I knew it was you. How can I help you, miss? No, it's me, Alice. Mm, help me out. <laughs> I knew it. You flew through space together and landed on this different world. Do you remember this? Kathleen, week five at the Playhouse. How is she doing? No, it's me, Alice, your fellow astronaut. Thank you, thank you places. places. Places, thank you. She's a fake. How can you be so sure? How can you be so blind? I come to work to solve a mystery, to register one for light over dark. You just come to fall in love. But isn't that what love is? A momentary triumph of light? over an otherwise infinite darkness? No. Love is where rational thought... Hey, you two want to see the show. Now's a great time to get a seat. It's a good show. My assistant was right about you. No. I'm sorry, ma'am. Enjoy the show. Break a leg. I just, I mean, there's, I love the comedy of The Uncertain Detective and especially how it seems like every cast member is universally terrific but the way you caught the humor or the way you portrayed the humor of uh forgetting your line twice in a row and asking them for it but you're very you're still very superior and aloof even though you're forgetting your lines i mean uh, I just thought it was yeah that's funny. i remember that was the basic rehearsal was getting the like two you know haughty versus right, just right. being sarah right, like yeah. just finding that balance yeah. point was what basically what we worked mm -hmm. on i think does that yeah. sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. There was a sense that you could go too haughty. Uh, oh, yeah. Or... You know, the per the sort of persona becomes too too mm. hot or mm -hmm. too uh, or too actory, mm -hmm. right? Even though you're playing an actory D actor. D D <laughs> Diva, Diva kind of is the, the yeah, word. Yeah. 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 You know, an interesting thing about making a, a, a series, and really I think anything where you're not, your audience is not going to be trapped in the theater, and so they have to pay attention. Um, you know, I'm guessing few people would have caught that in that earlier scene where we shot our road trip, your character was going out, going to play the the dead twin sister of the alien actress. I didn't know you were doing this shoot. Barry. You playing the dead astronaut? Yes. And her twin sister, the astronaut actor. It'll be fun. Bit of a lock. Wait, hold up. You get to do an accent in this? Because I think my character should have an accent. No. It's been established that your character doesn't speak with an accent. So you're playing like two different parts. You'd have to watch it really carefully to see that. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm struggling with it now in the writing, like the, the saying too much versus saying too little. Mm -hmm. It's such mm -hmm. an interesting. That, that's, that's, how does that like um, map onto acting? Saying too much or saying too little. Yeah. Doing too much or doing yeah. too little. It's yeah. It's the um. It's the am I. 
am I showing? Am I, am I sort of, um, I've been thinking a lot about your don't uh, just don't pretend that you're not pretending. (laughs) (laughs) I've been thinking a lot about that and trying to be like, okay, I, it's, it's, it's such an interesting line because it's completely like pretentious and awful, but also there's a kernel of like truth, right? I love it. Yeah. I've been like, oh, what is that kernel that I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to get? It? But it's it's the, you know, we've all seen the actors or the performers that are just it's too much. Like you don't you don't buy it, and you and it there's an you, there it's artifice, but it's artifice that's like sort of blatant artifice like there is yeah. we're always pretending yeah. right it's like yeah. we're, we're it's called a play yeah. we're playing like tomorrow. and tra- you have to trust the audience but you have to like i think of uh in midsummer night's dream uh bottom and the rude mechanicals are wondering if the ladies in the audience will be afeared because bottom's playing a lion and he reassures them i'll i'll remove my mask and let them see that i'm not actually a lion right, and, and i'll you know. make sure my nails so they won't see my claw yeah claws and things yeah. like that yeah. wow yeah so tell us a little bit you just came back from what from facebook looked like a wonderful experience this is so sad that it, we don't see each other i know so tell us, like, was it a wonderful experience? It was. And, and it was, tell us about that. Um, it was, I was at the Actors Theater of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky, um, for almost two months working on um, one of the Shakespeare's <laughs> <laughs> King, King John with a group called Upstart Crow. Which I, I told Joe, let's read King John before Sarah comes. I, I, I did not do it. <laughs> did, did <happen>. no. <laughs> it's totally good. It's like one of the least produced. Very obscure, I must say. Pretty I, that's obscure. A, that's one yeah. of the Shakespeare's that I, I honestly <laughs> yeah. have never heard of. Uh, yeah, pretty much people's idea of King John is the um, is the villain in um, uh, Disney's Robin Hood. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like that's. That's King John. That's oh, like the, the historical that, that figure. Exactly, King John. That's okay. the historical yeah. figure. Okay. Yeah. And so this was a Louisville company or this was this a Seattle-based company? This is a Seattle-based company, Upstart Crow, that did um that started in 2006 in Seattle and the um they use only femme uh female or non-binary actors in their productions. And um in 2006, they did King John, uh, and I was in that one. Um, and then they did a number of other shows together. And they're very ensemble, creative. That's the way that they work, too. So the so the vibe and the way that they create a Shakespeare piece feels much more, um, from my point of view, uh, much more accessible than sort of your typical, you know, rough big roughs and, mm-hmm. you know whatever shakespeare experience yeah. um so they uh they did a version of king john at oregon shakespeare festival about a year ago and then and you they were, were not in that i was not in that and they were invited to bring it to louisville to do essentially that same production and um they uh one of their actors wasn't available and so the director uh texted me and i was free um, so I went to do it, and it was um, really great. And there's a choreographer that's involved in it because there's a bunch of movement that's inside of it. So it really feels um, 
and there's a bunch of film and projections that that happen um and this was in the round too so they had to reimagine the show that they had created before because it was in a different kind of space so this was in the round meaning that the audience is on all four sides so suddenly the film and projection had to be on the floor oh. and on us mm. as opposed to on mm -hmm. you know which was really which created this you know mm. Some, so you're joining a company that started in 2006 from a socially conscious place in some way, right? Mm -hmm, yep. And now it's many, many years later. And I have two questions. Are they still coming from that place or is it more, this is what we do and it happens to be that? And two, did you feel like you had to fit into something specific because it was all? Oh, yeah. Um, yes, they still, it is still uh, all female or non-binary. Um, uh, they also strive to be much more diverse than they used to be too. So many people of, much more people of color um, and trans. Um, uh, and yes, I totally felt like, oh, I need to, I need to fit into this production that they did. So I had seen a filmed version mm. of it and I was like, oh, wow, that actress is really good. Yeah. <laughs> when you had done Richard III before, yeah. was that with the same group? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and, yeah. and how, I mean, that, and you played Richard III, which yep. is a real opportunity to chew the scenery, as I understand. Totally. Did you chew the scenery? I probably. <laughs> I hope. Probably. Well, we hope so. Probably. Probably I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was wild to be like, okay, I'm gonna, the, it, and the choreography is so precise, mm. and all of the sort of movement and it, uh, it reminds me of film a lot because there's um, the way it's sort of the scenes are edited down, and the way there's there's almost um, the director describes things sometimes as a jump cut, you know, as things like you know this thing ends, this thing begins, and there's there's a sharpness to it that reminds me of film. Um, so I was nervous about filling shoes. Uh, so, you know, once again, I so I'm still curious about the access, more accessible, like, so okay. I, I know I just, I just realized that that fits right into the question because <laughs> I saw you, uh, a couple of some years ago in, uh, Frost Nixon. Yeah. And I was reading online about it earlier, and one of the critics was ta was talking about that that, that that because it was an all female cast playing yeah. Richard Nixon, David Frost, you were playing one of the uh, kind of political operatives. Uh, uh, yeah, the reporter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the reporter, right? Research uh, our guests before rested. they come. Yeah, I do. That's what I'd be doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you should be watching the episode. Too. <laughs> well, that's different. anyway. Um, <laughs> So I thought the 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 critics' uh, take on that, how that uh, he, he said that like 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 the character of Nixon or, or Nixon himself, in a certain sense, couldn't hide behind the idea that this is the good old boys or boys will be boys or or kind of bluster with masculinity, because it was there was something revealing about having women play these 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 male male parts. Do you resonate with that? Absolutely. Uh, observation. Yeah, I think there's things that we when we're when there's a story being told in a way that is mm, different from our assumption of how the a uh, uh, person or character should look, yeah. then there, I think it it makes us listen to whatever the story is in a different kind of way, mm -hmm. or things will resonate in a different kind of yeah. way. Yeah, right. Like there's definitely the it was uh, um, 
I mean, it's Nixon, right? Yeah, and right, David yeah. Frost, yeah, too, who was right. like this playboy, right? And yeah. this very boys club, um, you know, thing. And I think like with Upstart Crow, they talk of it, they focus on the history plays. So um, where the, you know, where it's an embellishment of actual history. So these are characters mm -hmm. that you can point to and go, oh, these people actually existed. Yeah. And what if we cast them in this way? How does that what does that reveal about the way that we go to war, the mm -hmm. way that um, um, government uh, uh, government seems not to, uh, in these war plays, in these sort of political war plays, uh, I would say both in Frost-Nixon, but also in Shakespeare is how do they, we see these like, the higher figures, the president or the king or whatever, mm -hmm. and we see them making these massive decisions yeah. that affect all of the regular people, and we never see the regular people, mm -hmm. or we or really do, right? Mm -hmm. So, how does that? Um, what is illuminated by presenting it in a different way? What I uh, found really fascinating about watching that production and Amy Thone was okay. Nixon, and she was amazing. Uh, was that you? You wore men's suits, and you and you sort of—I don't know if you'd call it in drag, or you, you're kind of acting with male mannerisms. Uh, and I mean, it's—it almost becomes a satire of masculinity in a way, right? Yeah, I mean, you sort of adopt. Okay, well, what's a what's a physicality that is hopefully going to like pull the audience in more? Mm -hmm. um, and also, I think it reads as uh satire because it's on a form that you don't expect it to be mm -hmm. right so i don't know yeah you and the, you, and the, oh you, uh, go ahead oh well just in the in the the voice also so yeah. you you have a you have a female voice but you're intoning in a with a sort of a i don't know what to call it an imitation doesn't sound quite right but uh the, the kind of a, a masculine intonation so again it's kind of like it seems like it's wheels within wheels or parrot it's sort of oh, i guess it kind of blows your mind in a way right right it yeah. kind of twists your mind it twists your mind it, it twists yeah. your mind and so yeah. you you have to see it in a different way which is essentially what you said at the yeah. very beginning yeah. yeah yeah but it sounds like what you're describing so you said accessible but what i'm hearing is um revelatory um that what you're doing is offering up possibility of sort of like Oh, I now see something from a different place. Um, are those connected? Is it accessible because you're inviting me to uh, realize something about how I was perceiving things and now I get to kind of be in a new place perceiving them? Is that what makes it accessible or was there something else you were referencing? I think that's I think that's part of it. Um, I think that uh, I think there is something really huge about this is sort of a term that's tossed around a lot right now, but representation of of um, seeing somebody that looks like you on stage playing a part that you didn't think that you'd ever uh, be allowed okay. to play. Yeah. Mm. Like there's something that's really profound about that. But I also just think that the clarity of storytelling with this particular group, in part because they work to look at Shakespeare like a new play as opposed to something that is like, mm. you know, that is unreachable or, mm -hmm. or, or unchangeable or um, holy or something, right? Mm. Um, so they work really hard to treat it as a new play, 
And I think the storytelling becomes much clearer and so accessible in that way, as opposed to the Shakespeare that we read in high school mm-hmm. or the, um, or the, like you were, um, had mentioned a record that you heard. Yeah. Like a, Lawrence Olivier or something. Right. Yeah. You know, so I think in that way, it was sort of like, it's just a story and we're right. going to be Partly what you're saying is story. if it's good, it's going to be more accessible, Yeah, which is pretty cool. Okay. Well, we'll be right back. This episode of The Uncertain Artist is sponsored by Toulouse Petit. Now, I'm not a very good traveler. Or to put it in therapy speak, I'm still on my way to becoming a very good traveler. One place I've never been, I mean one place I will visit someday, is New Orleans. But until that day comes, I will happily settle for a meal at Toulouse Petit, a very cool Cajun Creole restaurant in Queen Anne with a warm New Orleans-influenced dining room and bar. With a fantastic brunch and a very popular happy hour, Toulouse Petit has long been at the top of anyone's list of favorite Seattle restaurants. So whether you're a great traveler or on your way to becoming one, what are you waiting for? And we're back. Sarah, I have two questions. You can choose which one to answer. (laughs) One is you've done work with us over the years with one or the other of of Megan and my sons in the show. Uh, from you know an early age through teens and I just wonder like what's that like and that strikes me as it might be difficult for someone in rehearsal or you could answer um, we ask you to dance and I don't think like that's your training um, but we put you front and center and say dance up a storm here are the steps so you can go with either one of those your choice um, I love dancing uh, and you no, know, it is not my, I mean, I have taken, uh, my electives at Cornish were dance electives oh, okay. with Wade Madsen. And, mm. uh, you know, so I. Great place to be doing dance. It's yeah. a great place to be doing this, but it's not, you know, I would, uh, um, uh, but I love dancing and I love doing Megan's dances too. And they, uh, Megan's dances are the way that she choreographs their, kind of locked into my head mm-hmm. in an auditory way because she describes them um in a uh, uh vocally um like we have the shoop dance which right. is shoop ba shoop ba shoop ba 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 so it's like in my head and i know from the from those sounds wow. what the steps are right and that's probably the dance we just heard the, the dance that's, like you remembering the yeah, actual. No, that's, yeah. that is it. That's the dance. That sounds <laughs> like her dance. Or things like, um, you know, uh, she'll describe a movement like, "It's here." No, it's here. Mm. Right. So there's 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 right. something. There's a particular movement, and there's a there's a, like a story behind it. Um, so I love I love Megan's, I love dancing Megan's dances in particular too. Yeah. What do you suppose it would take psychologically or emotionally to get back into the rehearsal space making a show like that? A, a, a new, fresh show. I feel like it's an impossible, like we can't get there again. I don't think it's an impossible thing. I think that I think that um I think that it would take uh 
I mean, there's sort of like practical, all the practical stuff aside, right? Like all of those sort of like time, money, schedule, all of that stuff. I think it would take um, belief and um, I think as a, we, we have been in the, we being um, working with you and Megan and, um, and all the other collaborators that we have. So we sometimes get stymied by a, by a fear or a, um, or, um, you know, creative conflict or something like that. And I don't think that that's, I don't think we need to get stymied by, mm. <laughs> I think it's like. So is that getting like in rehearsal one, all right, we need to have a conversation and get ourselves all together to a place where, given that we're going to feel stymied, we we band together and work? Like, is it, or is it just, yeah, I guess I'm asking, like, do you start with a conversation? Uh, maybe you do. Maybe you start with a conversation of, like, um, we're venturing into this thing of creativity ag together again. Um, what are the things that we're afraid of? Mm. Um, what are the things that, you know, and then sort of, mm. even if it's just acknowledging those, then I think that you can go, all right, I said that out loud. There's some, there's like, um, a value in sort of state and, um, yeah, I mean, in any, you know, if, in any creative endeavor, when you're trying to make something new, you run into obstacles and sometimes like just hearing you talk, um, you're just not aware of how big those obstacles have become in your mind, yeah. you know, yeah. um, inevitably you just have had setbacks. You've had things that didn't happen the way they should. You've had, you know, differences or you've had, you know, uh, a show canceled or money fell out or, you know, and, uh, unless you, talk it through i guess you just don't know it's blocked and this is so obvious right but uh i guess that's the secret of therapy is it's typically Ooh. pretty obvious to everyone but you yeah. i um there's uh there's something that i've found myself telling students recently and then you you know that thing where you're teaching and you tell the student something and you're like oh i actually need to <laughs> learn that myself yeah. but you know when Young artists are, because I teach an acting class, right? So young artists are, you know, saying something about themselves and often it's, or sometimes it's very negative. And, and, um, and I found myself saying, are you, it seems like you're telling a story about yourself that isn't true. Mm -hmm. And I wonder like, and then, and that was the one where I was like, oh, that came out of my mouth and I need to like, I need to mm. look at myself and be like, what are the stories that I'm telling myself yeah, right. that are not true? Mm. What is the fiction that I've been like spinning? All those myself? bromides when you were younger, you heard here, actually learn more from my students than they do from me. <laughs> and then it turns out it's true. Like, oh, yeah. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we have now a question we ask a question or or a guest no it's not a guest we have uh, people write in with a question so we have one for you right great gravy is our producer and she'll go ahead and throw it at you yeah so laura from seattle wants to know if there is anything um especially interesting or unique in the special skills section ah. of your resume oh god um 
I have a uh, uh, a little known skill, little known in that not many people know that I can do this, but um, ventriloquism. I uh, <laughs> I wish you had brought your dummy. <laughs> I know, seriously, my uh, back in the compound days, uh, a friend of mine, Sean Holyoke, uh, had a dummy and had learned ventriloquism. I don't remember when. At some point in mm-hmm. his life, is, and, is ventriloquism like juggling? Like it's just a thing that some people do at a certain age. I and guess it, so. Yeah. Like it's sort of like some people get a magic kit. Some yeah. people get a dummy and a, like. Okay. So he taught this to you. So he taught it to me. Yeah, and to some more of us in the compound. And there was this section where we were saying, "What is that dancing?" And so he taught us how to say it in you know in a ventriloquist voice, which is. Of course, your mouth is not moving, and you you say that. It's I, a great skill. The claim you have in a podcast, right? right. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm, it's great, right? Well, you're, you're, you you really know. Know. We we can't end the podcast without you you doing some of the ventriloquist voice. Oh my gosh, um, uh, it's hard for me to do these days without smiling. <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, Will it help if you use your hand? I guess. No. <laughs> That's part of it. Like I can do it without the puppet. I'm worse with a puppet oh, than than mm. I am without it. But um, okay. Uh, so what is that dancing? What is that? Is that dancing? And it has to be like this really weird little thing. Like... So if you're listening on the podcast, <laughs> I will attest. Sarah's lips did not move. <laughs> Who was um, it? Charlie McCarthy was a, mm. a world famous. Yeah. Uh, and. What I hear is Edgar that because Bergen. Edgar Bergen, yeah. right, yeah. is the the dummy was trying to, and and because he did it on radio for so long, he lost the ability. His, his lips did, yeah, because yeah. he didn't have yeah. to worry about that. <laughs> so I, I, the technique is kind of like back in your mouth. It's really, yeah, it's really it's back in the and bees are really hard. <laughs> and when you like send out your resume for a gig, are you hoping that? <laughs> It's more that like somebody will look on it and sort of remember you because they're like ventriloquism, really? You know, it's such a weird thing to do. But how um, would you answer that, Joe? Uh, a special skill. Special skills. Yeah, I think mine's kind of pedestrian. I I can juggle. I can juggle three balls quite well. well I can even do four if I practice. You're doing it. I, now. I, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the audio version right now, I'm I'm juggling four balls. <laughs> The other thing I can do is a spin a basketball on my finger oh, really good. quite well. Mm. You know, that that one's probably more unusual. There, there aren't there gravy. Aren't What's on? Yeah, it's <laughs> on your. Uh... Uh, well, I guess I was kind of just saying I can puppeteer, um, oh. and I too also take myself way too seriously as an actor. So I'm awesome at it because I took my. Well, that wouldn't be under really special well. skills though. Puppeteer? Oh, puppeteer would be, yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. You, you, mean, you mean you take yourself, you don't take yourself so seriously as a puppeteer, so it's more fun? Is that what you mean? No, I mean, like, I took my puppet with me everywhere and did it 24-7 for three weeks. That's why you don't have any friends. <laughs> okay, uh, Greg, let's let's round this out. What's on now, your resume I, as a I, special I, skill? Absolute blank. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. I can't think of anything, <laughs> but I will before next week. Okay, yeah. next week we're going to ask you what your special skill. <laughs> um, well, uh, 
these go so fast. I didn't even get to four of my seven topics that I want to talk about with you. So we'll have to do it again, Sarah. Thank you so much. Yeah, was it kind of uh, enjoyable or was it torture or what it was, was it like? It, uh, it, you know, you're always scared that you won't be um, interesting at all. So but maybe I wasn't. Are maybe you editing yourself as you're, as you're talking or did you feel like you were just in the moment or a little of both? I think a little of both. Yeah, it's inevitable, isn't it? I think a little of both. So I did, um, oh God, we're now on episode five, so maybe I've told this story before. <laughs> but um, I uh, once did a production of this Garcia Lorca play called El Paseo de Buster Keaton, um, which was probably a world premiere because um, I'm sure I told this story. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. yeah. Dang it. All right, we'll cut that out. <laughs> I'll do my outro. Please join us next time for another episode of The Uncertain Artist. And if you have a question we can ask our guest in a future episode, or ask ourselves, drop it to us in the comments if you're watching on YouTube, or email it to us. Our email is theuncertainartist at gmail.com. Also, save the date. Season 3 of The Uncertain Detective will premiere February 26th, 2024 at 7 p.m. at the SIF Film Center. We'll follow the screening with a live taping of this podcast, so come join us. Tickets are free and can be reserved through the Seattle International Film Festival website. We hope to see you there.